Welcome, welcome, welcome to Real Table Talk with your girl Kimmy. Hey guys, it's Kimmy, and welcome to Real Table Talk. This is a place where we're gonna have some interesting discussions. It's centered around women. Real Table Talk. Where you feel comfortable, where you can share your views, express yourself, and we just come together as a family. So stay tuned, guys, because the Real Table Talk is exactly where it is. Welcome back to Real Table Talk. I am your host, Kimmy, and today I know you have not heard that, you know, that voice that you're always hearing on the other line, my wonderful co-host, Dawn. She's not here with us today, unfortunately. She's fine. She's very well. She just could not make it today. But today in the studio, we have Melanie James, and we're going to be talking about mental health, guys. This is a topic, I mean, we've seen what has been happening in 2020, and if there's one thing that has really, really been highlighted was mental health. So we're going to be talking about that today with Melanie, and, you know, give you guys something that you can learn, some takeaways that you can apply if anything that we share today relates to you. So Melanie, welcome to Real Table Talk. Thank you for having me, Kamisha. I am ecstatic to be here to be talking about a topic that I am just so passionate about. Awesome. We are so happy to have you. So Melanie, before we dive into it, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do so our audience can get to know you a bit better? Indeed, I am an effervescent, passionate young lady. And you may ask passionate about what I am passionate about two things that's occupational health and safety and food and i believe that where i'm able to live out my passion where i'm able to infuse my passion into anything that there is great purpose and i am so fueled by that passion to be able to do anything that i really put my mind and my heart to and today is just one of those things because the more that I am passionate about health and safety, the more that I can infuse that level of awareness in others. And that's just a snippet about me. So Melanie, what is mental health? You see, mental health is basically the way that we are emotionally, psychologically, and socially connected and in tune with ourselves. We usually hear about our physical health and we know the ability for us to walk, the ability for us to talk, the ability to, for us to do anything with our physical being because we see it. But mental health is not just about the mind, but the way we are able to connect with each other, the way we are able to feel ourselves and feel with each other. And therefore, mental health is the way one is able to be themselves emotionally, psychologically, and socially. I never looked at mental health in that light. Wow, that was an eye-opener. So yes, what can I think people generally, generally only see mental ill health and not mental health itself because it is just something that is seen as a personal issue, but they don't really see that it's a connected issue as well. Oh. So is there a difference then between mental health and mental illness? Indeed, the same way that there's a difference between you being physically well and physically unwell. So, and the thing is with mental health, there's a spectrum. And the same way, I use this example all the time. Someone could have diabetes, but be healthy. 
in that they are able to manage their diabetes, they follow protocol, they eat healthy, they stay away from simple sugars, from complex sugars if they need to, and they live a life that allows them to be at their maximum level of healthiness. And that's the same thing for mental health. Whereas a person can have a mental illness, but still be mentally healthy because they're able to cope and manage that mental illness. So mental illness is when you are not mentally well and alcoholism is a mental ill health issue. People may not see it that way, but addiction is a mental ill health issue. So that would be on the lower end of the spectrum. It goes all the way down or up however you want to see it, as far as something like schizophrenia. I got quiet there for a second because it was like alcoholism. Can you prevent mental health problems? That's a really ticklish one, Kamisha. And someone might be able to say, yes, I actually would differ. And I think it's a lot to do with circumstances. No. If I am in a situation that I am unable to handle mentally, then I can have a mental break. However, someone would say you should keep yourself mentally strong. Christians would say you should keep yourself mentally strong by keeping your eye fastened upon Christ, by ensuring that you discipline yourself in the ways of Christ. Yes, that is all fine and dandy. The same way that someone can be physically, I always want to draw the scenario between physical health and mental health because it makes it a lot easier to share. So a person can be physically healthy. They exercise every day, they eat well. However, say COVID comes along and bam, they are sick and they possibly lose their lives. So even though they were practicing for or Yes, let's say practicing, even though they were practicing throughout their life to be a healthy individual, a circumstance came along that threw them off their feet. And even though they would have had the best canvas, the best practice, the best history, this particular circumstance was a bit much for what they've practiced for. So while we can do things to build ourselves mentally, sometimes the circumstances that throw themselves at us may break us beyond what we are prepared for. Wow, wow, okay. So are there signs of someone suffering from mental health that we can be able to, you know, to look for? There are signs and it really has a lot to do with the individual. And I tell people that you should know who your friends are, how your friends behave, how your friends interact. So if Kamisha, you are my friend and I know that you're usually a bubbly person. I know that usually you're a talkative person. You're the person that would usually, if we go out, you would message and say, Melanie, you're getting safe. Or the next day you, you message me and say, Melanie, did I hear you last night? All is well. If I know that that's your personality type, I know that those are your personal traits, then if something changes with you, then I should realize. So when something is different, because there are no specific telltales of a mental illness, when your friend, their habits begin to change and you cannot particularly tell why, it is not tied to them trying to be a stronger person, them trying some new fad, but more so it is underlying and you can't really see why that person is changing. Maybe the person could be cutting you off. That's just my little joke for today. But um, 
if they're changing and you're seeing it, you need to say something about it. You need to ask them about it. You need to stick close to that person to find out if you can begin to track those changes that you see in their personality and reach out to them. If sometimes people are experiencing um, bouts of mental um, illness and they themselves are unable to see it because they are so lost in what is happening around them that they actually need you to reach out and pull them out if you can. If you shed light on that particular circumstance for that person, the, the changes in their mood, the changes in their traits, then you might be able to help them identify what is happening within themselves and help them to connect with it and connect with someone who can professionally help them out of that particular circumstance. Wow, so that's what I would say, signs and symptoms. So people usually may think, oh, that person is talking to themselves or they're walking a little weird. By the time you see those types of symptoms, that person has already had a mental break because there are steps to get into the mental break. So once you begin to see, as I said, the change in behavior, then that is when you step in as a friend or a family member, as someone close to that individual. Wow. I really need to pay a lot more attention. So is depression a mental illness or is that just part of mental health? Depression is a form of mental illness, yes. It, there are so many forms of mental illness. There are a lot of mental illnesses and depression is one of them. And depression can also be a part of other mental illnesses. And some, I think, some people use I'm depressed as a fad or a basic statement and other people are depressed without knowing that they are depressed. So the feeling of depression is where you are unable to feel a level. It's not just happiness. You're unable to feel generally. It comes sometimes with feelings of um, lethargy. It comes with the feeling of confusion. For some people, depression can actually come with a a feeling of, you know, not just hunger, but over overeating. So having depression is, while it is a mental illness, it is attached to a lot of other symptoms and a lot of other mental illnesses as well. Obesity is also seen, while it is a physical issue, it is also, um, also categorized as last year as a mental illness as well. Obesity? Wow. Yeah. I know personally from myself, having to work on my own journey, trying to become a healthier individual, that it is a true struggle in the mind because habits, while we physically exhibit habits, they are mentally ingrained. And therefore, the undoing of habits is, and the doing of habits is a mental practice. And therefore, for obesity, you have trained yourself to eat a certain way, to live a certain way. And therefore, the struggle becomes so real when you want to get out of it. Also, obesity is actually tied to um, a particular gene as well. And I realized yesterday, I read an article that... I know this has nothing to do with um, mental health at the moment, but I just wanted to share this nugget. In reading an article yesterday by the Oxford University, and they have a program on breastfeeding, they said that the longer you breastfeed, you actually lower your child's risk of obesity because you do not feed that gene. You actually 
a strangle. Yes, let's call it strangle. That's a very strong word. You decrease the ability for that gene to hold on to fats and therefore the child's ability for obesity is actually reduced and therefore the brain begins to help that child's body to burn a leaner fats and become a leaner individual. Imagine that. That hit me hard yesterday. Oh, wow. Mothers, if you're listening, breastfeed those babies as low as possible. Who would have thought? <laughs> okay. I have a friend and I never knew that she had uh, issues with depression. I remember I would speak to her mom and she would say, you know, that girl always depressed. But you know how people just that like you said, just, you know, this pretty, just throw the word out there, but don't really know what they're saying and so on. And then I realized that it was a bit more serious than expected because there were times that you said where she would just be quiet and she was just really not into talking. And and there were different types. Like I, I couldn't really understand what was going on. I, I thought she was bipolar because it was having so many mixed up different. So one time I'll see this person and next time I'm seeing this person. So I didn't quite understand that. But now that you broke that down just now, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, so her mother was probably trying to make light of it as a joke, but it was probably just true. She really is um, suffering from depression. So can someone recover from depression? Most mental illnesses can be managed. Some mental illnesses can be reversed, while others are because of the... I can't get into, because I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, I just love the area and therefore I research it to put it into practice as an occupational health and safety um, specialist. But with other illnesses such as schizophrenia or even you just spoke about bipolar, if a person is bipolar, the makeup of their, the, their mind and the way they are able to process situations has significantly changed and you cannot there is no way of undoing that i don't know if it's molecular or genetic way i think it's more so about um the interplay of hormones and the thought process so you are unable to unchange those things but depressions you can handle it people change it with medication i actually heard a testimony of someone who had medication, yes, but they also did a lot of meditation and they did meditation and fasting and they were able, along with their medication, actually see themselves become a happier, uh, more balanced individual. Wow, okay, so my health can be treated by the renewal of the mind and going through the meditation and also medication. In your research, is it true that the medication makes the illness worse or does it really help it? You find that there are like side effects? In my research, and, and some of this research is anecdotal based on what I see happening around me, the side effects sometimes are harmful and it has a lot to do with the stage at which a person sought medical attention. No, there are other people that, for instance, bipolar, with, when they are on medication, you cannot tell that person is, well, we say balanced now. You, that person seems a lot more, and I use air quotes, normal, because I don't believe in the word normal, because none of us are normal. We're all different. So that person is now viewed as normal because with medication, they are able now to process their 
emotions a lot better. So in those situations, and I've encountered two persons with bipolar disorder who've been able to manage it very well with their medication and are living active and productive lives in society. I know one person where I am right now that is schizophrenic and with medication and diet, they are able to function highly within their organization and work well. So I can say that it works generally very, most of them work generally very well, but there are side effects. With all medication, there are side effects. I like what you said there. You said about the friend who is schizophrenic because of the diet and everything. So diet does play a big role in mental health. It does. As I told you, I just do a lot of reading and stuff as it relates to mental health. And they were talking about a correlation between red meat and your ability to process emotions. I was like, wow, really? No, I'm a girl that loves lamb. Like, I really love a nice piece of baked lamb. But actually, after reading that article, I began to think about it. And you know, the, the Bible really talks about your body being a temple and what you put in is what you get out. And it's not only what we put in our minds, but what we put in our bodies and what we put in our soul because we are an interconnected organism. So we always talk about mind, body, and soul, but each and every one of those facets of our being interplay with each other. And when they do, they can do positively or they can do negatively. And eating well and a healthy lifestyle on a whole can actually help with mental health and mental ill health. Okay, so I definitely need to really make sure that I'm paying special attention to my diet, but red meat, oh wow, okay, mm-hmm. all right. <laughs> so what can people do to ensure that they have good mental health? For sure, watch their diet, but what are some of the other things that they can also do to ensure that they have good mental health? I want to start with, people call it a fad, people call it something that is new. I don't think it's new from any Bible days. It was always there, but affirmations are a powerful way to start your day. It's a powerful way to put your mind, body, and soul in balance at the start of the day. You did say that I spoke about healthy eating already. Exercise is also very integral. Vitamins, if you're taking, well, we don't get all the vitamins we need from our diet and therefore sometimes we need to take supplements and I tell people that taking your vitamins is also very essential. Um, strengthening the mind generally. So we, we people talk about stress, we have to counter stress daily stress. It can be a stimulus, but if we are overstimulated by stress, then we become stressed out. And when we become stressed out is now finding ways to cope. So I tell people it goes to a lot of introspection. And I think even before we do affirmations, because you need to know how what we need to affirm within ourselves, what we need to affirm for our future, what we need to affirm for our present. And it first starts with understanding who you are, where you want to go, where you want to go, what it is you want to achieve, what it is you want to get, what are my weaknesses, what do I need to build up within myself? So it's, it's almost like doing a personal SWOT analysis. When you do that SWOT analysis and you look at your, your weaknesses and your threats, then you find ways to strengthen yourself and you find ways to loop in opportunities to counteract or cancel out those threats that you may see within yourself. So once you do that introspection, then you come up with your affirmation strategy. And as with any game or sport you play, 
you have really good cheerleaders. You need to put yourself in a circle of people who build you up and not tear you down. And you don't want people who just cheer you on with fluff. You want people who can also understand your SWOT analysis, understand what some of your weaknesses are and help build you out of those particular circumstances. You want people who understand and connect with you, not superficially, but on a deeper level to help you drive yourself into self, to help you drive yourself out of stressful situations. Then understanding yourself, you understand also how you cope with stressors. Understanding how you cope with stressors then give you the ability to create a way to manage your stress levels. And with God, all things are possible. I cannot go without saying that we must leave everything at the foot of the cross because we cannot bear half of the things that we do in life without him. So a part of your strategy is leaving stress and the stressors to Christ, but allow him also to direct you into the path that you need to take. But also knowing and researching methods that work for you to deal with your stressors. No, I always say one of my stressors, if I had a difficult time or I'm in the middle of a heated conversation, mind you, I usually stay away from arguments. But if I have to argue and at the end of it, when I realize the argument is going away, I usually, my statement usually is, I see your point. I'm not going to take some time to ponder about, ponder on what you're saying and see how best I can either adapt or if this particular decision can actually suit me or not. After that particular discussion i am going to go to the supermarket because going to the supermarket is my happy place and at the supermarket it is not just about spending money but it is the mood that buying food remember i said i'm passionate about food how what kind of mood it puts me in it generally uplifts me and then when i'm finished with the supermarket i usually have to take a really good shower and i do some affirmations in the afternoon and i have to take a nap i sleep off my stress and my frustrations and i get it renewed the next day that's how I deal with it. People may call it avoidance initially, but that's how I decide not to freak out. And that's how I decide not to go off the brink. I remember people thought that I was disconnected. I thought I was going to lose my mom three years ago. Man, being at Queen Elizabeth Hospital and seeing your, your loved one in the emergency room train and struggling to breathe you don't know what to do you are really hoping and trusting that the doctor know what to do you are not seeing a doctor when you think you should be seeing a doctor it was overwhelming and kamisha kimmy when i was confronted with that situation i left the emergency room and i went into my car and i sat down for an hour and a half no one knew where i was i was just in there and I just sat there. I was on Amazon. I was looking through stuff. I needed to declutter my mind and find a place where I could be in a stressful situation and not feel overwhelmed. And after that hour and a half, I was able to go back into the emergency room and there was a different level of weight. While I was still scared to hell of what was happening, the way I was able to manage the situation and manage myself was a lot different than how I was dealing with it before. I was, uh, I was frantic before I went to the car and when I came out, I was able to communicate more effectively with nurses and not lash out, which I found helped the situation. So that wow. is just a little bit about how I handle my situations. Well, I think that's key. So for the listeners, you know, you guys got to find what is your thing that you can actually utilize 
um, for me is movies. If I am really stressed and everything is going here, why well, yeah, I just need to take a moment, find a series or find a movie, something, even if I watched it before, it doesn't matter. It is something that is funny and interesting and just dive into that and it really helps to to calm me. Of course, prayer does help, but if your situation is really to a place where sometimes you don't even know if you could pray, I tend to watch, just watch the movie and calm down a little bit and then go back at it. So uh, what is yours uh, to our listeners who may be listening here today? What is your place to go or your thing to do when you're really high stress? You know, I was reading an article uh, the other day and it was actually talking about not eating before you go to bed and it's not the reason for that was not because you would gain weight but they explained that the body actually when you go to sleep it actually distresses the body so they say when you eat before you go to bed that the body now has to decide which one to do am i going to distress the body or digest the food and it splits itself in half and it tries to do half and half so then you find that you are still stressed so sometimes you find you go to sleep and you get up and you feel like I didn't even get enough rest, but it might have been because you would have eaten before you went to bed. It's a bit um, off of what we're saying, but I still thought it kind of answered. That was really a you know for me because I was like, oh wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, because our body actually renews every night. So your your body at nighttime, God made us. You know, God made us so intricately, and He's just so phenomenal. But um, your body uses the nighttime to rejuvenate as you said to de-stress it also uses the nighttime to be able to get um let's call it declutter it allows you to what should i say i'm looking for a word and i cannot find the word anyways it cleanses you there we go (laughs) so at night so that's why um, this is a little off the, the ball a little bit, but it's always important that you go to the, the bathroom to do a number one and a two when you wake up. If you're not doing that, that means your body is not functioning well because that is what your body was working all night to do for you to release. And if you don't release, then your body is not functioning optimally. That's a good note to take. So do you think we're having enough conversations on mental health right now? Definitely not, Kamisha. Definitely not. <laughs> My dissertation was actually about our inhibitions to talking about mental health and running away from actually being treated or seen for our mental health, especially as African-Caribbean people. You will hear it more in persons of different races, but we, I'm a Christian, as you realize. But you would hear a lot of us say, well, we can just take it to Jesus or I can just go to the pastor. A pastor is not a psychologist. A pastor is not a psychiatrist. A pastor will be a counselor, but is he trained to help you with your particular circumstance? Yes, he is a minister of the gospel, but sometimes we also need for God to direct us to seek medical attention. The same we will go to the doctor for COVID or for our flu or for infection. The same we need to also see, seek help. But I also don't think that we do enough in media to promote mental health institutions, to, to destigmatize mental health institutions, to freely allow people to go to mental health institutions. I know in Barbados, the 
government, those in the public service, they have three mental health days. But how many other organizations allow employees to take mental health days? How many other organizations as a part of their employee assistance program allow employees to see a counselor or psychologist when they need to? How many businesses understand the importance of mental health and take meditation breaks during staff meetings or during a particular exercise that needs a level of strategic brains and minds? So I think we hear about mental health when it's mental health day and mental health month. We hear about mental health after very terrible circumstances of suicide. But then where does it take us? Do we consistently promote it? And that I think is our issue. While we have the services, while we have the facilities, we do not consistently promote the importance of mental health. I remember when I was a child, HIV was something new. But government and all companies did all they had to to promote safe sexual intercourse, safe sex. And it was almost everywhere. There were billboards, companies were bringing people to talk about it just because for public health purposes, we wanted to see ourselves not fully infected or infected at all with HIV and AIDS. Same thing with COVID. COVID came and we are having a very rampant promotional um, series, promotional information. We are having oft, ever so often um, radio casts about how to deal with COVID-19, the vaccine and everything that is new. But when it comes to mental health, a problem that plagues us every day, we don't see people talking about it. We have employees who are at work dealing with alcoholism and different forms of drug addiction. But are we actually trying to help that individual? Sometimes HR may say, well, you need to go to Vernon House. But what do we do after that? Because Vernon House is only the beginning. Building the habit took some time. Breaking the habit will not happen at a three-week, six-week, or 12-week stay at Vernon House. So how are we supporting mental health in the home? How are we supporting mental health in the church? How are we supporting mental health in the community? And how are we supporting mental health in the workplace? You know, I totally agree. I think part of the problem is that we are still in denial. Uh, even though we are seeing so many things that are happening over the last year, we probably had about four suicides in Barbados. But I mean, we are having conversations, but it's still not to the place where it needs to be. It's not being highlighted, like you said, uh, in terms of how we are promoting and highlighting the COVID and all the other things. That's just not one of the things. I, I'm wondering if it's because we're so prayerful as Black people, because Mostly the black people tend not to talk about it and women tend to talk about it more than men, but it seems to be that men are struggling with it more than women. We definitely need to really have some more conversation on this. So if you're listening, please share this with as many persons as possible. Um, my hope and prayer is that they gain something from it. They may not be in this situation, but they may know someone and they may be able to grab some of these takeaways and apply it to their life so that they can see themselves in a healthier light. And if what we share today, you realize anything at all, stick so and say, okay, this might be me, then seek that help that you may need. Go to where you need to go to get the help and don't be shameful about it because it's a part of life. So just go and get the help. The, the goal or the aim is for you to get better. And that's it. So Melanie, we are running out of time, but I would really love to hear what are your final thoughts? What would be your final words before we um, close off our session today? My final words are mental health, is a state 
of being. And we all need to cherish our mental health. We all need to ensure that we protect our mental health and our mental well-being. And I say well-being because well-being is more holistic than just using the word health. And I want everyone to remember that we are interconnected beings and we need to really and truly be our brother's keeper. We need to see when our brother is um, in need of our assistance and reach out where we can. You need to be able to treat your body as a temple and put into it any all that you want to get out of it, mind, body, and soul. And if you need help, never hesitate to get the assistance that you need. There are many counselors out there, especially if you go on to Facebook. I realize that there's a group for mental health awareness. There's a Facebook community for Barbados. And if you need that assistance, you can go into that group. You can drop a message anonymously because it allows you to do that if you wish to. And you reach out and get the assistance that you need. Thank you very much, Kamisha. You are most welcome. And thank you so much for joining us today. We definitely learned a lot. I am sure that the listeners are taking notes as we speak. And, you know, the only thing that's missing here today is Dawn. So Dawn, when you're listening, we do miss you. We do miss you. Uh, But once again, Melanie, it was a pleasure. And to you guys who are listening, thank you guys for tuning in. Remember, this is Real Table Talk.